It is hour two, the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale, just us two today. 537-1350 is the phone number. In the next segment, we're going to be joined by CBS Sports senior writer and bracketologist Jerry Palm. We are going to talk bracketology. We'll talk about all Big 12 and postseason accolades here in just a moment. But um, the Big 12 continues to get younger, cooler, ratter. They've released an anthem for Big 12 hoops. It was announced today, and it's obviously going to be played during the Big 12 tournament. Okay, you can kill it now. I know. It's fading out. Here is that anthem. It's a minute and a half long. It was by a, uh, a composer by the name of P.L. Here is the anthem, and it's called No Nights Off. Let's go. Look. Welcome to the Big 12, where every night's a battle till the end. The energy in T-Mobile Center on average is a 10. Okay, I'm going to stop it real quick. First thought, because I'm hearing this organically. I, I feel like the Big 12 asked this PL gentleman, okay, we need you to put at least, we need you to put Big 12 in there a bunch, obviously, but we also need T-Mobile Center. We're going to give you a whole bunch of things that are really hard to put into a into any sort of rhyme or any sort of lyric and make it sound like money. Let it continue here. They attack and we defend. The only path is to the rim. No other conference in this country's got this passion for a win. No side of the goal, never put forth the maximum effort. The mission is get a ring. Our goals are final four or better. Every team is full of heart, and every game is packed with pressure. It's number after 11, capital B I G letters. Big 12, elite, but how can you tell? Got up twice more than we fail. Heavyweight, that's on the scale. Prevail, can't accept the L. We hit it talking, but it's quiet after the tip. Use the naysayers as gas. The bigger the game, the better we run. We're not the same, second to none. Difference between us and them is the second place instead of the one. Working overtime all the time, what our job's about. That means ain't no calling in or clocking out. We don't take a night off. Any night could be the one. This is why we put in work, let's get it done. We don't take a night off. Leave it all out on the floor. Want to know who's really winning, check the score. Yeah. Okay, um, that was better than I, what I thought it was going to be. I thought the beginning of it wasn't a strong start. I think it got better. And let me tell you this, this, this PL gentleman, this guy can enunciate. I, I could understand every single lyric that was being said. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like that's a rap thing. I'm, I'm saying that's just a music thing in general. Right down to getting Philip 66 in there. There are many there are many artists that you can – it's hard to understand lyric by lyric of what they're saying. Like there, every song out there has made up lyrics to it. You, you just kind of bla- you, you blabber out whatever it sounds like and you call it a day. I can understand every lyric. I thought that was pretty solid. This, this PL guy was asked to do a job that wasn't exactly probably the easiest when it comes to writing. When you got to put in Philip 66, <laughs> Big 12 a whole bunch of times, you have to put in the T-Mobile Center in, in do, into song lyrics. That's not easy. With that being said, this isn't going to win a Grammy. It probably won't ever be featured on number one song of the day. 
But I will say it was better than what I expected. And this is pro- this will probably be better when it's underneath some highlights. When the Big 12 puts this on top or you know but whatever, mixed in with like a highlight reel, it'll probably be a lot better. So Big 12 who's getting younger, hipper, faster, stronger, cooler, ratter. That was a step that I thought maybe wasn't necessary, but it was better than what I expected. There have been worse songs done by country artists in promoting the SEC on CBS. I would take this over. Been waiting all day for a Sunday night. Mm. The Sunday night football anthem, I am not a fan of. I may be biased there because at least they get good-looking legs each week. Yes, she is good. Who is that? Miranda Lambert? No, that's uh, Carrie, Carrie Underwood. Underwood. And before yeah. that, it was Faith Hill. Oh, was it the maybe it was the Faith Hill edition that I didn't like? But the waiting all day for a Sunday night—that has never done it for me. I've never thought that was a good intro. But uh, will we be hearing this in the arena all night? I hope not. Let's not <laughs> overplay it. That's the thing. That, that's a, that's a big key there. Let's not overdo it. We can be young and hip and ratter and cool and faster and stronger. Before tip-off of every every game. But these, I mean, we already have a short attention span. A song can get old really quickly. The officials are heading to midcourt. The teams are in their huddle just before tip-off. Yeah, it's a tip-off, it's a tip-off song for every game. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to... Um, what, what did I tell Wyatt last week? Did I tell... I think there's something about... Um, if Jalen Wilson wins Big 12 Player of the Year, I'm going to be sick. Well, I did show up to K-State Baseball yesterday, and I should have called in sick. Because I, I, I took a good 24 hours to get over it. Now, I had been going on and on about how Marquise Noel should be Big 12 Player of the Year. I knew deep down that Jalen Wilson was going to probably get it. Best player on the best team. Although... I, I will never be that person that will just give an award to somebody just because they're the best player and the best team. If you look back at the last 20 years of Big 12 men's basketball, so the last 20, uh, I'll ask Troy here. We'll, we'll make a game out of this. Troy, if I were to ask you, out of the last 20 Big 12 players of the year, how many of them had come from that year's Big 12 regular season champion? 18 of 20 off the top of my head is just a guess. 11. Really? 11 of the last... I'm not, surprised. Not including Jalen. So it, now it's the last 12 of 21. So like 57%. So 57% hmm. of the last you know, 21 players of the year have come from the Big 12 champs. Yes, the, I'm sure a lot of years they absolutely deserved it. I, I Yeah, when I saw Jalen Wilson's name pop up as Big 12 player of the year, I was like, yeah, I saw it coming. It doesn't make me happy. And I know Jalen Wilson is a phenomenal player. He's a first-team All-American. He was named that, was it yesterday or today, by, by Sporting News, one of, the, um, you know, one of the outlets that is considered when it comes to consensus All-Americans. And congratulations to him for that. He's an NBA prospect, phenomenal talent, and he played his role very well. But then when you get into it statistically, 
There's only one stat that Jalen Wilson has when it comes to Big 12 play, and that's another part of the argument, right? Do you just consider Big 12 games? Do you consider the full season? Well, you know, it, it is probably an award that should be considered full season, but it's really hard to ignore the work Marquise Noel did, specifically in Big 12 play, when the Big 12 was the best conference in the in the country and statistically might be the best conference in college basketball history. So when I see Marquise Noel against the Big 12, against teams that are in the best conference in the country, leading the conference in points, assists, steals, and a bunch of other stats, it's really hard for me to pull away from Marquise Noel being Big 12 Player of the Year. Jalen Wilson was consensus. I'm over it now. I am talking about it. But I think what I was more offended of was K.J. Adams getting most improved player. Because here, here's the storyline, or here's the trajectory for K.J. Adams. Last year, rode the bench. When I say rode the bench, wasn't like he never got in the game. He played maybe five minutes a game. Maybe five minutes. And didn't do a whole lot during that time. Then he gets into his second year as a Jayhawk and does a good job. But it wasn't, you know, anything ungodly or would I say, you know, off the charts. Probably should have rebounded more and he scored 10 points a game. Marquise Noel went from scoring, I should say, starting 21 games last year. And then this year starts every game and he still improves his scoring improves his assists, improves his steals, improves his shooting percentage from three-point range by 5%. And he went from Big 12 honorable mention to Big 12 first team. Meanwhile, K.J. Adams basically went from a person that never played to Big 12 honorable mention. Well, when you put those resumes together, which is more impressive? Well, that would be Marquise Noel. So I think that's a simple case to make. Desi Sills not winning sixth man of the year did not surprise me. Not because anything to do with Desi Sills, Serge Barry Rice from Texas, I would say did deserve it. I mean, Desi certainly has an argument, did deserve it as well, but I think Serge Barry Rice just beats him out just by a little bit. And Serge Barry Rice is, is a solid pick for sixth man of the year. Second place is probably Desi Sills. Keontae Johnson being the unanimous selection for Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, absolutely. Um, and, of course, Jerome Tang winning Coach of the Year, absolutely. Adam Flagler getting unanimous selection for Big 12 First Team was, was very surprising. And, again, not to take anything away from Adam Flagler, but Baylor also has two other guards that are very good. And you could probably have an argument all day long of if you were to pick one of them, who should it be? I don't know if Adam Flagler wins the vote. You know, it might be Keontae George. But I will say, you know, Marquise Noel receiving All-America status. He is an All-American for K-State basketball for the first time in a decade. It had been 10 years since the Cats have had one. And Marquise Noel gets that nod. I think that makes me feel a lot better about Marquise not winning Big 12 Player of the Year. Because he is getting an accolade for the point guard he was this year. He did everything a point guard was supposed to do. 
and he did it better than most people. You can make an argument more than anybody because he's up for point guard of the year nationally. And that vote will open up, I think it's next week, or coming up soon. Maybe it's Friday, in a few days maybe, that you can vote for Marquise Noel as the point guard of the year in college basketball. But him winning All-America status is, is gigantic. And I was surprised to see that K-State hadn't had one in a decade. Because it's, you know, if you can make an argument for, you know, like Dean Wade or Barry Brown, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't remember who won it back then. But for Marquise Noel, for that improvement, there you go. That's another sign of improvement where, you know, Marquise Noel wasn't anywhere close to getting any sort of status like that nationally. Mm-hmm. And now he gets it for as an All-American for Sporting News. But with that all being said, you know, I, I, I noticed – Absolutely noticed the disappointment from Marquise Noel and his and his brother Marcus because they they were saying things on Twitter. You know, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they they definitely felt disrespected and didn't understand. You know why the, why Marquise Noel wasn't picked for I would imagine Big Twelve Player of the Year or you know Most Improved Player whatever it was. I'm not exactly sure. I'll just I'll just sum it up with this: use that as fuel to the fire. I wouldn't say go out there and feel like you have to prove a point, but just use it as fuel to your fire. Because there are still some out there that are maybe underestimating you. That's the way I would use any disappointment from the Big 12 men's basketball postseason awards. And I will also say this. If anybody was absolutely hosed on what they deserved – was Jalen Glenn of K-State women's basketball. The Big 12 leader in steals by a pretty good margin. She was ahead of second place by 15 steals, and she did not land on the Big 12 all-defensive team. That is not right. That was a big mistake by the Big 12 coaches. Jalen Glenn not being on the all-defensive team. That is a problem I did have from the list that came out Sunday, Monday. The K-State women will play Thursday at 5 o'clock in the Big 12 tournament. Meanwhile, the K-State men also play Thursday at 8.30 as the men will be taking on TCU. We will have coverage of both games right here on K-Man. Also tomorrow, Troy will be on the road down to Wichita, Coke Arena. For Manhattan boys basketball taking on Blue Valley North. They're the first game of the day, 2 o'clock with pregame around 145. Mm -hmm. Have you started your prep yet? Yeah, of course. Blue Valley pretty good. Blue Valley North, I should say, pretty good. Two, six, seven players. Yeah, Manhattan's going to be challenged size-wise in a way that they've not been challenged this year. Manhattan does have a six, 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 seven guy. Yes. But doesn't have two of them. But also what I'm getting at is they've they've not been in a matchup where they have to face two of them sure yeah Uh, or usually it's manhattan that has the size advantage all right when we come back let's talk bracketology with jerry palm after these words that's it that's it what a fool believes this is the song title i couldn't remember earlier this have the lyrics in it no it doesn't oh michael mcdonald to be singing right now 
It is the game on K-Man. Mitch and Troy with you to the top of the hour. We'll step number one song of the day. And I'm going to actually bounce after number one song, get the Manhattan High Basketball Banquet tonight. Uh, so I'll be uh, jumping out a little bit early. Let's get to Jerry Palm, senior writer for CBSSports.com and, of course, CBS Sports Bracketology. Check out Jerry's latest projections all week by tuning into CBS Sports HQ and check out his bracket predictions on CBSSports.com and the CBS Sports app. We're now joined by Jerry Palm. Jerry, really thank you for your time as we now talk uh, some bracketology with K-State and uh, and Big 12 basketball. I want to first ask just from your national perspective on your thoughts, not only on K-State, but the Big 12 and the run it's made this season as one of the best conferences in, well, really college basketball history. I can't think of anything like it. You know, my 30 years covering college basketball is I've never seen a conference top to bottom as strong as this one is. There have been other leagues that have been very strong at the top, you know, or the top half or maybe even eight deep or whatever, but, you know, one to ten, you know, one to last for everybody in this league is just tremendous. It, it, in a way, it's kind of a shame for the teams at the bottom because, the schedule was too much for them, and, and a couple of them won't make the NCAA tournament, maybe three, but you know, what a tremendous season for the Big 12. And, you know, when you're trying to make the NCAA tournament, you get quad one opportunities nearly every time you take the floor. Uh, you've got a great chance to do something, uh, but you also have to be very good to do it. Right now, you have K State as a two seed, South Region heading to Denver, and UNC Asheville would be the opponent. As a K State fan, would absolutely take that. I know as K State fans, we're hoping for either you know a trip to Denver or Des Moines. That that would be perfect. And as a two seed, that would be amazing. Never would have seen that coming heading into the season. I'd like to know from your perspective, what do you think K State has right now over Baylor to have that two seed holding Baylor to a three? Uh, the sweep of the regular season series. It's and that, that's how close things are. Um, you know, Baylor's had a great year. Obviously, this whole league has had great years. Um, you know, the conference tournament's going to have a say in how some of this sorts out. Uh, I think, for example, Kansas has a chance to be not just the number one seed, but the overall number one. Um, Texas has an outside shot at a one seed if it can win the conference tournament. Um, Kansas State is probably uh, ceiling is a two. Baylor's ceiling is probably a two. You know, so you've got. You know, you can have four of the top eight teams in this league, and that, that's just tremendous. Um, the conference tournaments, not just the Big 12 conference tournament, but other conference tournaments, will we'll sort some of this out, but uh, it's it's just been a great year. So you mentioned, you know, the Cats ceiling is probably a two. So how, how thin is that line from a two to a three? Do you think if K-State were to lose, let's say, to TCU on Thursday, there's a chance they're probably going to be a three? Yeah, I would say that you know, the problem with analyzing seeding of one team in a bubble is that it always depends on what other teams do. But, yes, I would say if, if they were to lose to TCU, their chances of being a three, maybe even a four, the high four, but would, would be in play, but a two is probably not. Speaking with Jerry Palm, senior writer for CBS Sports, check out Jerry Palm's latest projections all week, CBS Sports HQ, and check out his bracket predictions, cbssports.com and the CBS Sports app. You know, looking elsewhere in the Big 12, the bubble that you mentioned, Oklahoma State right now on that bubble, and currently projected seven teams getting into the Big 12. West Virginia you have in. Those are the two teams I'd like to talk about next, about if West Virginia were to lose – 
you know, in day one of the Big 12 tournament, are they in jeopardy in Oklahoma State? What do they need to do to get in? Yeah, I think Oklahoma State's in more jeopardy. If they lose on day one, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to make it, maybe. But now you're talking about a 17 record, and you know, I've been doing brackets for 30 years, and only one team has gotten in that was two games above 500, and that team played only three games outside of quad one and two. So, I mean, Oklahoma State's schedule, as strong as it is, wasn't even as strong as that one. Uh, but West Virginia is in a little better shape because they're 18 and 13. So they might be able to take a loss and stay in the field. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State definitely has to win uh, that first game. And, and if West Virginia loses, it's, it's going to be a nervous selection Sunday for them as well. Back to the one seeds, I agree with you. You know, if KU goes on a run, of course, they, they have a great shot to be the overall number one seed. They have the most quad one wins out of anybody else. By but a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they continue to win. They're just going to obviously widen that margin. But along with Kansas, you have Houston, Alabama, and Purdue. I think if you ask everybody that knows college basketball, those would be the predictions for the one seeds. Any of those four not locks right now to be a one? Purdue is not, and you'll see um, some debate between UCLA and Purdue for the fourth spot. Um, if you're going to choose UCLA for that spot, it's a subjective choice more than you know strictly what's on their resumes because Purdue's resume is unquestionably stronger. Uh, UCLA got their first win all season over a team better than Kentucky uh, when they beat Arizona, and Purdue's got you know half a dozen of those. Um, so you know it's when comes down to a resume, but, you know, a lot of people just think UCLA is a very good basketball team. I've seen them. They are. Um, but it's, you know, and it is a subjective process. You know, they don't, they, they don't have to just, it's, you know, go by whatever they think the resume says. You know, that if they think that this has been the better team over the course of the full season, then that's what they'll go with. But that's the case for UCLA. Speaking with Jerry Palm, senior writer for CBS Sports, Jerry, your two seeds along with K-State, Texas, Marquette, UCLA. Your three seeds right now, Arizona, Gonzaga, UConn, and Baylor. You mentioned UCLA. Is there anybody else you feel like with a run, conference tournaments, and some help with some teams losing could sneak in and take away a one seed? If Texas conference tournament, they could be in play, but they would need help. Uh, I don't. They can't just do it. They wouldn't jump Kansas even if they won the conference tournament. So they would need help from like Purdue and UCLA, for example, to drop out of play, and and then there might be a case for Texas. I want to circle back to to Kansas State here for just a moment. What a season it's been for Drum Tang in his first year. Eleven players come in in the recruiting class to build the roster, and you have Keontae Johnson, the best comeback story. Marquise Noel was uh, one of the favorites to win the conference player of the year. After seeing this run that K State's made in the regular season, what kind of run do you think? Kansas State can make in March Madness this year? Well, they've got a special player in Keontae Johnson. When you've got that, you have a chance. You're going to have a chance every time you take the floor. So, you know, Kansas State's ceiling is probably win the whole thing. You know, I don't think a lot of people will pick them to win the whole thing, but nobody picked them to finish any better than last in the Big 12, too. So, you know, I don't think uh, other people's expectations mean much to Kansas State. Um, they're they're capable of winning the f- any time they take the floor. Jerry, this year I'm hoping to be watching March Madness in person, follow K-State wherever they go. What do you typically do for the NCAA tournament? Do you like to stay home and watch on a, 
a bunch of TVs, or do you like to go on location, like a couple of regions, and check out the action in person? Yeah, I'll be in Columbus, Louisville, and uh, and it's a Final Four. Columbus and Louisville are relatively close to home for me, so uh, I'm a Purdue guy. I actually get to see Purdue in Columbus. Uh, probably not Louisville, though. Will Edie be the player of the year in college basketball? Probably. Um, I haven't even heard much debate about it. It's, it's, it's like everybody's foregone conclusion. He's the He's a unique guy. Uh, Coach Painter calls him a unicorn. Uh, seven foot four at least, uh, and impossible to defend one on one. Well, Jerry, I know you're a busy guy, but I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk uh, Kansas State and Big 12 basketball with us and enjoy watching March Madness in person. All right. Thank you, too. As Jerry Palm, senior writer for CBSSports.com, one more time, his latest projections all week will be updated. CBS Sports HQ, his bracket predictions on CBSSports.com and the CBS Sports app. We'll take a break. Number one song of the day, up next. This is a good jam. The uh, the new anthem that the Big 12 has for basketball, they should have just sampled this. From 1975, Pick Up the Pieces by Average White Band. One whole week at number one. They were a little too average. Well... Let's let's see if this is average about them. <laughs> At least according to us, they are a funk and R&B band from Dundee, Scotland. I don't put R&B and Scotland together. Not at all. Of course, you know my image of Scotland. I think everybody's image of Scotland is like medieval times, everybody's wearing wearing kilts and living in castles. I was thinking golf course, but okay. No, when I think of Scotland, the first thing I know, I don't think of, I don't think of golfing. I think of kilts and accents. Because I think Scotland, Scottish people have great accents. I'm not going to even touch on the voice chat that I that friends of mine get into on a Discord server on Friday nights. Uh, see, I, I wish... One of them is Scottish. I, it's humorous. I'm not great with impressions, and I'm not very good at like doing different accents. I, I almost did it, but I, like, I, I got to practice it first. I can't just blat it out. Anyway. It was... Oh, yeah. The only lyrics in the, in the song... So, the average white band did not have an average story when it came to the band coming together. So, they all kind of knew each other, but it was in passing. They were all, at the time, before getting together, doing their own thing in London. There were two members that were, like, session musicians. They were both on Chuck Berry's My Dingling. Okay. One other member... Uh, was on uh, Johnny Nash's I Can See Clearly Now. But they all happened to one night be at a Traffic concert. Yes, there was a band back in the day called Traffic. <laughs> they haven't done anything. They haven't really been together since the mid-70s, but they were around and were popular back in the day. 
they're all at this show. And they all kind of uh, ran into each other like, hey, we know each other, right? Let's, 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 let's jam out one of these nights. So they decided to jam out, write a little music together. One of their friends was there, and they said at the time, quote, this is too much for an average white man. And then history was made. Average white band was born, and they put out 13 pseudo albums. Can you turn this down just a little bit? 13 pseudo albums, five top 40 hits, and it's their only number one. Wasn't from their first album, it was from their second album called AWB. The reason they decided to go with an abbreviation is they released their first album. It sucked. Nobody liked it. They're like, all right, maybe we should rebrand ourselves. Maybe average white band is a bit too strong. So they just went with ABW or AWB and released the album. It has this song on it skyrockets to the top skyrockets to the I don't think it has anything to do with the name of the band though I think just people love the tune it's a good tune it's been in a bunch of movies the song was so big and it was so popular it went on to influence a bunch of people some that includes Public Enemy TLC Beastie Boys too Short, Ice Cube, Nas, A Tribe Called Quest, who are big influencers mm-hmm. themselves. They're up for uh, nomination for um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Arrested Development in there as well. It was said by a certain publication that this song was the 15th most sampled song in history. I'll be honest with you, I can't name you a song that was sampled. Uh, from this, but I can believe it because it is a—it's a jam. Mm-hmm. It's a really good jam. Starts out with that guitar, and then in comes the saxophone, and the saxophone is the show stealer, of course. It is a show stopper. I've got a list of who sampled. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, do you have you have titles like the titles of the songs? I do. Okay. Uh, let's see, 61 songs all told listed on wow. who sampled. Certified Dope by Steady B. <laughs> Me and ODB of- by Chris Rock. Okay, Chris Rock. On the Strength by Dougie Fresh. Give Them What They Want by Poldore. I've never heard of most yeah, of I these know. people. Yeah, I, I'm digging here a little further. Uh... Criminal Mind by Tyrese featuring Heavy D from 99. Uh, Ty- Tyrese came up uh, at baseball the other day. I was talking to the to the young lady that was working the scoreboard that's right next to me. We just got talking about stuff and... There we go. Music came up. I uh, forgot about Night of the Living Baseheads by Public Enemy. Um, Tyrese, I asked the girl, like, do you remember your first concert? She said Tyrese. I was like, who? <laughs> And I, I looked him up. I was like, "Oh, the guy from the Fast and the Furious movies." Oh, but apparently right. he's a uh, he's into R and B. I was I had no idea. I thought he was an actor. <laughs> I had no idea he was in music. Her bad self by the real Roxanne in '88. Who was your first concert? Kiss. Oh, that's right. Mine was Disturbed. 
Thanksgiving 87 kiss at the then called Topeka Expo Center. Do you remember what they closed with? No. I mean, it's got to be rock and roll and I party every day. Uh, no, that was elsewhere in the concert. That's a song. Hmm. That seems like a song definitely that would be a, the closer. You always knew like that'd be the closer. And it's not? No. I don't know what else you close with. Like, what would be a better closer than rock and roll all night, party every day? There's part of me that wants to say it was Detroit Rock City, but I'm not sure. No. It's I mean, only a closer in Detroit. I understand. I'm just saying, off the top of my head, I do not remember the full set list. Hmm. I'll never forget Tommy Lee. Motley Crew this last summer at Arrowhead St- or uh, Kauffman Stadium wearing a Detroit Tigers shirt. I was like, that is a guy that doesn't realize what he's wearing. But nobody made a big deal about it. All right, so here's the deal. I got to go. Head over to Manhattan High. Troy takes you the rest of the way. That's going to do it for number one song. I'm out of here. Go Cats. Just a couple of moments away from the top of the hour of 6 o'clock ESPN Radio to carry us through the evening. It is the rare occasion for the next couple of weeks where we don't have anything on the sports docket tonight to carry into the evening hours. Among the topics that ESPN will be addressing, of course, will be the ongoing run of conference tournament play that continues tonight. Uh, Let's see, I just saw... What is it? Northern Kentucky, and I didn't catch who the other will be. That's a conference championship game coming up. The West Coast game later tonight, St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Knockdown, dragout matchup for their third game of the season between those two teams for the WCC title from the Orleans in Vegas. My friends in Boise with the Big Sky Tournament, bit of surprise there. Eastern Washington got eliminated after playing so well through the regular season. Yeah, they got knocked out by Northern Arizona. So that's one bid that's up for grabs. That may be a bit of a surprise to anybody who watches low major basketball. I can't help it. They're, you know, I know guys that are still playing from that league for crying out loud. I've not that far removed. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be live in Wichita for high school hoops. Don't forget, tomorrow also begins the 2A boys tournament here in town. Will Spradling's St. Mary's Ball Club gets the late night contest tomorrow night out at Bramlage. One of the four games that are on the docket tomorrow on the boys' side as that tournament gets underway starting at 2 tomorrow afternoon. A lot of basketball coming up starting tomorrow. You've got a lot of it right here on K-Man. Have a great night.